episode of the Bureau 42 X-Files Retrospective Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we discuss X-Files Season 1, Episode 18, Miracle Man. Original air date, March 18th, 1994. IMDb user rating, 7.1 out of 10. As we're pushing into the third act of Season 1, we actually get a slightly different collaboration than usual. This episode was directed by Michael Lang. It's his second X-Files episode, the first being Young at Heart, and his second one of the season. He'll also direct again in Season 2 and then again later. Now, the writing is a different collaboration than we've seen before. Howard Gordon typically works with Alex Gansa. They've been a writing team throughout much of this first season. At this stage in the season, Alex Gansa's child was born, so he was unable to work, and instead of working with Gansa, Howard Gordon worked directly with Chris Carter himself, and it was their first direct collaboration on a script. Now, in terms of the cast, we have a few notable entries. One of them is R.D. Call, who's got a fairly long list of guest roles and relatively small parts in a lot of series, going back to 1979 with Barnaby Jones. We also see George Gerdes, or Gerdes, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name. He was the Reverend Calvin Hartley in this episode. And again, following this episode, we see a lot of guest roles. Seinfeld before this, True Blood after this. The next prominent star is Dennis Lipscomb, who was probably one of the more prolific guest stars that we have here. He's a little harder to recognize because of the makeup that they have him under playing in advance, but he's got credits going back to Grand Silence, Wings of Ash, Union City, Chips, WKRP in Cincinnati, Barney Miller, Little House on the Prairie, Dallas, Greatest American Hero, Powers of Matthew Starr, War Games, The A-Team, Hill Street Blues, T.J. Hooker, Moonlighting, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Matlock. He was Mayor Jim Finley in The Heat of the Night. He was in Wise Guy, the famous Teddy Z, the Ferris Bueller TV series, an episode of Cop Rock, three episodes of Midnight Caller, Sequest Deep Sea Voyager. After this, he was on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Melrose Place, Diagnosis Murder, Invisible Man, Roswell. When he's not under heavy makeup, he's got a fairly recognizable face. But the guest star that's probably most worthy of note is Scott Berstow. Now, this was one of his earliest works. If you look him up on the internet, movie database. It's actually his third entry. After that, he did... After that, he played Newt Call on Lonesome Dove, the series and the Outlaw Years. He was in The Postman. He was in Significant Others, Party of Five, Wolf Lake, the rebooted Twilight Zone, Touched by an Angel. But the series that a lot of Chris Carter fans would know him from would be Harsh Realm. 1013 and Chris Carter were so happy with the work he did in this episode that they were quite happy to have him read for the part of Lieutenant Thomas Hobbs, which he won. So he ended up starring in the nine-episode Harsh Realm series that Chris Carter would do later. There's another first in this episode. This is the first episode that draws significantly on Christian theology. We're going to see a lot of that going forward. In this one, the differences between Mulder and Scully are not quite as pronounced on the issue as they're going to be later. At this stage, we know Scully's the believer. When she's asked directly, do you doubt the power of God? She says absolutely not. She just doubts the veracity of their claims. Mulder, in this case, wants wants to believe because of some of what's going on. Later on, we find that he's the one that's skeptical about the Christian theology, whereas Scully's the believer. It's a bit of a twist on the normal believer-skeptic dynamic that they have between the two of them. And much of that was largely because when it came up where they had to decide where Mulder sat on the issue, what it basically boiled down to was deciding that Scully was going to be representative of the popular view, or at least what they believe would be the popular view amongst the audience, and Mulder would be the less popular view. So Scully the believer, Mulder the atheist. In the teaser, we see Reverend Hartley brings Samuel up to a burning building, and they've got a dead man who is a victim of the fire. Samuel lays hands on him when he's a very young child in 1983, and the burn victim comes back to life. This burn victim is Leonard Vance. After the credits, we learn that the local authorities have brought Mulder and Scully in on the case because 
they believe that these guys are now guilty of murder. It seems since that time, Reverend Hartley has set up a tent ministry, and Samuel is his star. People come to be healed by the miracle man. So every day he heals someone, twice on Sundays, just by laying his hands on them. And Scully brings the case to Mulder, but it turns out Mulder's already familiar with the history. He is a pretty pronounced faith healer, and there seems to be enough documentation to convince at least Mulder that he's the real deal, and that he truly can heal people by touching hands to them. But in the last little while, people have been dying when he lays hands on them instead. Mulder and Scully come out to investigate, and they meet the local sheriff, who is very biased against him, to the point where he won't even let his wife, who has crippling arthritis, even touch young Samuel and attempt to get cured herself. So he even tells Mulder point-blank, there's no question about whether or not if the boy is guilty. The question is how, and that's what he's called the FBI in to work on. He just wants them to prove the boy's guilt so he can put it behind bars. The boy is missing at this point. Mulder and Scully track him down, and he's in a bar, and he's doing penance as far as he's concerned. He honestly believes that his own pride have corrupted his gift, and that's why the people he touches are dying. So he's been picking fights, getting the crap beat out of him, and he says he can see pain. And here, he looks at Mulder and sees the pain of the loss of Samantha. So it's the first time in a while that Mulder's sister has been mentioned, which is, again, Mulder's driving force for it. So it's a bit of a reminder to the audience, because it has been months since the audience heard that for the first time. They bring him in. When they bring him to trial, the courthouse is swarmed with locusts, or grasshoppers, as the case may be. There's more and more mounting evidence against him, even to the point where when he does heal again, the victim dies right in the tent this time, completely disrupting the ceremony. So he is utterly convinced he is doing this, and to the point where he's shouting at the courtroom as the locusts are flying through that God has testified against him. While all this is playing out, Mulder is seeing visions of Samantha in reflections, in windows, and Scully's telling him, don't necessarily believe in this. He's playing off what you want to see. So as they move through, they're able to figure out how the locusts were drawn into the building and how they came to that courtroom. They are able to finally get an autopsy done on one of the victims and prove that the death was cyanide poisoning. So as this comes out, Mulder goes to visit Samuel in prison, where he's gone completely voluntarily. And Mulder's ready to say, hey, we know you didn't do this, they were killed by poisoning, and he's going to let him go, even though Samuel doesn't want to go. Mulder even tells the sheriff this. After Mulder leaves, Samuel is beaten to death. It ends up being a bit of a twist ending with the setup. So we find out it was actually his first victim who came back horribly scarred, the actor who's under heavy makeup, who felt he was a false prophet or a wolf in sheep's clothing, and there's no other reason he would have been brought back so horribly scarred and unable to live a normal life. So he was blaming Samuel. After Samuel's death, Samuel appears to him, and the man commits suicide, confessing everything and claiming that Samuel had forgiven him. As the episode wraps up, we see the sheriff being brought in himself as they're investigating the way Samuel died. It's a fairly effective episode. It's carried largely by Scott Berstow's acting. He does play Samuel Hartley very well, and it does remind the audience about Mulder's motivation and Samantha while laying the groundwork for some of the other theology-based episodes that are coming. It's a decent episode. In this time, though, to me, nothing really stands out in terms of the production. It doesn't really have that X-Files feel, which could be why Michael Lang only had limited work with the series from this point on. Rob Bowman, David Nutter, R.W. Goodwin, these are directors we're going to be seeing a lot of, but some of the most prominent X-Files directors don't start until season two. Join us back here again in two weeks as we discuss episode 19, Shapes. Intro and outro music is by Lastwell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content, copyright 2014, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments and feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes.